Earlier this year, five undergraduate students from the University at Albany sat in front of a room full of policymakers, academics, and members of the press to present their findings from a semester spent studying access to reproductive health services in New York. As they did this, the fate of Roe v. Wade, the federal court case that protects a woman's right to abortion, was very much in question as the balance of the Supreme Court shifted. And in New York, in light of this, state lawmakers were considering expanding protections for reproductive health care beyond what's in Roe. Which is to say that these undergraduate interns were not just researching for the sake of researching. They were digging into a topic that had real, pressing consequences for New Yorkers, answering questions that a lot of people were asking. One of those people, in fact, was a member of the local media. He sat in the front row, and when his time came, asked question after question of these interns. If he didn't think they'd fully answered his question, he pressed again. He wasn't rude, but he wasn't treating them like kids either. Wow, yeah, he really (laughs) went for it, which I think was also really good for us in terms of learning how to deal with pushback and also how to deal with that as a team. That was Florencia Felleter, one of the interns on the panel. She and her team did hold up well under that pressure. And if you ask them now, they'll say they learned a lot from the experience. This is Policy Outsider from the Rockefeller Institute of Government, and I'm Kyle Adams, Communications Director at the Rockefeller Institute. Today, we'll be talking more with Florencia, as well as two of her fellow interns in the Rockefeller Institute's Center for Law and Policy Solutions, about their experience being thrown into the deep end of policy research and learning to swim. start by introducing yourself. My name is Katie Zuber. I'm the executive director for the Center of Law and Policy Solutions and the assistant director for policy and research at the Rockefeller Institute of Government. Thank you. And thanks for being back with us on Policy Outsider for your second episode. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I think it's the second. Tell us about the Center for Law and Policy Solutions, how it came about and how you decided to make the internship this uh, kind of central piece of it. It was this idea that we could really harness the resources of some of the educational institutions in the area to expand our mission of rigorous, relevant, and objective research to inform public policy, but also to give students an opportunity to do some of the kinds of hands-on research that we do here at the Rockefeller Institute. So we launched the center in the spring of 2018. Every semester, we bring in a new cohort of five undergraduate students who, in consultation with some of our expert researchers here at the Rockefeller Institute, dive into a pressing public policy issue with a particular focus on what's happening here in New York State. My name is Gillian Pemblefloot. Florencia Felleter. Katie Gowing. Uh, During my time at the Institute, uh, I worked on... um, report on drug courts in the uh, context of the ongoing opiate epidemic. And I interned with the Institute in December 2018 when we researched reproductive health. I was part of the fall 2018 cohort at Rockefeller Institute, and we studied reproductive health in New York State. So our initial cohort in the spring of 2018 did an examination of drug treatment courts particularly with a focus on how those courts operate as an alternative 
to incarceration in the context of the opioid epidemic. And we found out that in terms of the opiate epidemic and the drug diversion court system, the cards are absolutely stacked against us. Essentially, drug diversion courts were created in 1995 in New York State as a response to the normal court system being sort of overburdened and underfunded. And so they wanted to create a, a diversion court system to sort of alleviate the problem. But then in the following decades, the drug diversion court system itself became overburdened and underfunded and understaffed. That was a huge issue that we consistently came across, no matter who we spoke to was understaffing. And so over time, things have kind of deteriorated to this point where we have this, um, not just in New York state, but a national problem with the opiate epidemic and the, the court system just in a lot of ways, doesn't have sufficient resources to tackle the problem at the, the severity that it's at right now. But essentially, any expansions to the court system we found need to be matched by expansions in funding, because if you create new initiatives and new programs, but don't fund them, they're, you're, you're doing them to fail. And then also you're doing the people in the program to possibly have more contacts with the criminal justice system if they can't get sober, can't get access to housing, or uh, as things like that. So really our, our findings were just that the court system it needs to be changed fundamentally in, in a lot of ways and programs need to be sufficiently backed in order for there to be um, large scale efficacy at the state level. And then if in the spring, they looked at access to reproductive health care in light of all of the uncertainty that's ongoing at the federal level. So the question for them was, what happens here in New York State if Roe v. Wade gets overturned? So our research kind of began with the premise that Roe v. Wade is at risk right now with the current administration, the shifts on the Supreme Court. However, New York being a liberal state, Roe v. Wade abortion is going to be safe. And so we looked at other indicators to see that even though abortion may be legal, what is the state of reproductive and sexual health in New York state? We looked at maternal mortality rates, STD rates. Um, and other factors like sex education to see that there actual, actually are existing gaps and existing failures in our women's healthcare apparatus, even if abortion is legal. There's other important issues at stake. Yeah, so we identified a few key barriers that we found that women were facing in New York State. First of all, we looked at insurance and lack of insurance for women who are uninsured or who are on uh, state or federal funding of insurance, or like Medicaid. So that was one of the first barriers that we identified. Uh, we also looked at sexual education um, in youth, at, at youth school, at schools in across New York State. There was also an issue between immigrant communities and there was a language barrier that we looked at um, and also the fear in immigrant communities of seeking treatment because of either status as, as a undocumented immigrant or even a documented immigrant. We found fear in seeking resources just, you know, from stigma. Uh, we looked at also misinformation. That was something that I focused on a lot and how women and people across the board are just getting the wrong information about reproductive health. People don't know what contraception is used for, how to use it properly. They don't know what an abortion is, what it entails. And these are, these are things that people need to know if they're seeking these services or 
They also need to know if they're not seeking these services because they need to know what the options are. I think there's a couple of things that really set this internship experience apart from some of the others that might be available to undergraduate students. One is that it's a paid for credit experience. So that ultimately means that students who want to gain this kinds of experience don't have to pick and choose between, okay, do I go out and look for paid employment or do I get this really rigorous, challenging educational experience? So because the internship is paid and for credit, students can ultimately kind of check off both of those boxes, which is really important. And the other thing is, is we, the internship is open to students who are very early on in their academic career. So while many opportunities on campus may be reserved for juniors and seniors, we've had, I think our first cohort was three or four sophomores. So these are students who typically aren't eligible for other experiences on campus. And we make it a point to look for not just necessarily the A plus student, but people who would really benefit from this academic, educational and paid experience. And they get thrown right into real world research. It's really an exciting experience for them. And it's exciting for me to watch as the internship supervisor. I've had multiple students say to me, you know, I'm so glad this just wasn't an internship where I'm stuffing envelopes or even another student who worked in the assembly. She said, you know, I was always wishing that I could ask questions and explore topics after meetings instead of just going in there and taking notes. So we really expect these interns, even though they are early on in their academic careers, to do the hard work and to do the research themselves. So they are doing the relevant background research. They are identifying key stakeholders that they want to interview. They are writing and asking the questions. They are typing up the results, analyzing the data, and then synthesizing it into one comprehensive report. So it's it's a unique experience for a lot of students. Like you said, they come in having done very little of this work um, and then come out being able to kind of distill their findings in a way that's relevant for, you know, the general public, policymakers and other researchers. Immediately what sticks out for challenges and something that stuck with me in general as an experience from the internship was sort of coming up against the Office of Court Administration. There was a point where we tried to request what we felt were vital statistics relating to the kind of uh, racial and gender makeup of the drug diversion court system. And basically the Office of Court Administration denied us access to these statistics. Uh, So institutionally, we came up against some barriers, but because of that, we had to end up relying on whatever was public information um, and anyone involved within the court system or law enforcement or charities or anything like that who would talk to us. Unfortunately, there there were a lot of people who were willing to speak to us. I think one of the things I enjoyed most was that challenge, mm-hmm. you know, being able to do something that I guess that we felt like mattered. Mm-hmm. Lorenti and I worked really closely over the course of the semester. We went to three interviews together. We interviewed people at at Planned Parenthood. We interviewed people at another center uh, that dealt with uh, visiting families, especially with young children and pregnant women. And we also visited a crisis pregnancy center. And that was probably my (laughs) my most cherished experience, (laughs) weirdly to say, just because you kind of got to jump in and just go all in on finding out these answers and any way you could try to get to it. Katie absolutely like supported us in pretty much like whatever 
whatever avenue we wanted to go down, and she really tried to help us get there. That was it was super challenging, you know, talking with all these different people from different points of view and different places. But it was probably the best part of it for me. I would say it was very challenging in the terms of that it's human research. So unlike academic research, you're really putting a face to everything that you're doing. And so you have to acquire a new sense of sensitivity when you're going about and doing this research. It's no longer something abstract. You're dealing with controversial issues. You're asking intimate questions about abortion, about contraceptive. How do you navigate those topics, right? And so as challenging as that is, I think that's it's also equally rewarding when we would figure out how to do those things and how to do them successfully. I think one of the interesting things to watch is they are both frustrated by, but very much enjoy the experience. So they talk about how difficult it was to set up interviews and yet how exciting it was to really go talk to people on the ground in their communities to really get a sense of, okay, well, here's what abortion looks like at the national level. Here's what the discussion is, you know, surrounding Roe v. Wade, but what's happening here in Albany, New York. So they encounter all of these Typical challenges of doing research, identifying the right people to talk to and getting them to the table to talk to you. But then they're always excited by the information that those interviews yield and and how it kind of changes their perspective and their understanding of the problem. And the other thing that I think is really rewarding to watch these students come away with this idea that research is a really collaborative process. So a lot of times undergraduate students are responsible for writing their own research paper, taking their own exams. And I always tell students at the beginning that research is a really collaborative process, that your ideas and your overall analysis will really benefit from working with each other and and bouncing ideas off of each other and helping each other. And students sometimes can really struggle with working in a group of people. Um, That can be another frustrating aspect of the internship, I think, for students. But again, the way that they come together as a team, the way they work together, they really kind of look out for each other and help each other. And I think that's another thing that they come away from. And I know that several of our interns have stayed in touch with each other. They've come back to the Institute as part of the Rockefeller family, as as Jim likes to say. Uh, And they really have a space here to continue to participate. And actually, one of our students is getting ready to present some of their research findings at the undergraduate research conference that's being held at SUNY Oneonta this week. They've had some of their research featured in Cranes, New York, and our our contingent that wrote the piece on reproductive health was also actually invited to the governor's office to sign, uh, to be at the bill signing for the Reproductive Health Act. So, you know, a lot of really interesting, exciting experiences result from the research that they're doing. Yeah, that's an aspect that we haven't touched on yet, really, is that at the end of this semester, they're putting out a real research project that, as you mentioned, you know, the most recent one was cited in Cranes, New York, and it wasn't cited as a student project. It was just cited as new research. And they sit up in front of a room full of uh, fellow policy experts and the press and the public and activists and present their findings. At the last one, we had a member here from the local press who was asking some pretty tough questions of these students, not really treating them with kid gloves. Uh, what were your your thoughts as you were hearing them get pressed like that? I was really impressed by the caliber of their presentation. 
again, it's not common for undergraduate students to present their research outside of a classroom setting, right? So even if you are presenting the term paper you wrote on your own, it's usually to your fellow peers and classmates. And here they're looking down at an audience that includes representatives from the New York State Government Office, from the New York State Department of Health, from the Empire State um, Pride Agenda, huge stakeholders in the, in the area. And it, that is quite a challenge for these undergraduate students who have never had these kinds of opportunities to present publicly before. So I was just really impressed by the caliber of their answers. They didn't cave under pressure. They answered the questions that they could, and they just did a really, really excellent job kind of being on the spot. After this internship specifically, I noticed that I I had way less fear talking to people in in really any given context. Because once you're sort of at a nice dinner and thrown to the wolves and, you know, people say, go talk to all these politicians. Speaking at other events after that just gets a lot easier. It's not as intimidating. Yeah. You were okay. thrown right into a mixer with state lawmakers. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and we, we had no choice but to engage. Right. So that was, that was really great. It was like a trial by fire, but I think that was the most useful way to have done it at the time. It was, it was just a great experience. One of the biggest takeaways for me was teamwork, to be honest. Most of your academic career is individual. And I think taking on such a tremendous project that also is important. It's not for a grade. It, it's, it has consequences. Mm-hmm. And learning how to deal with you know different personalities and different people's interests. And I think that was very valuable. I think even more than just like taking away the fear, you know, we really boosted that confidence, like, wait, I can do this, Mm -hmm. you know, like I produced a quality report. I put on a really good presentation. We we produced real work that really mattered Mm -hmm. and having confidence to say, this is what I did. Mm -hmm. And I, I did this well, I worked hard and you know, this, this is what I did. Yeah. I was published as an undergrad. Yeah, You know, you can get to say that, you know, what I saw specifically to our research was when Cuomo released his women's justice agenda in 2019, he set aside a lot of goals that really paralleled um, suggestions we had for the state legislature. Not to say, you know, that we directly influenced Cuomo, mm-hmm. but, you know, obviously that we're one of the tiny puzzle pieces that all came together and say, this is what we think should happen. And it's really fascinating and really empowering to see those things actually happening. I think in the long term, I'm I'm comfortable with the field of policy research. Where exactly I'd be doing that, I, I I think is too early to say. But um, as a field, I think it's something I'm really interested in. And after doing the internship, I felt comfortable pretty much researching anything, whether that was for a class or or for something outside. It just set me up in a lot of ways, just professionally, but also in terms of holding myself to deadlines and just kind of being able to, you know, face challenges when they come up or, or change a method of research or realize that uh, maybe a source wasn't as solid as I thought it was. There's just a lot of really useful skills um, that I can take with me. I feel like I took away a lot of qualitative research skills. I really enjoyed doing the interviews and that's something I would definitely be interested in doing more in the future. And I also kind of gained a really profound passion for sexual and reproductive health through our research and kind of really realizing the disparities that exist in those fields. And so I really would love to pursue working more to advocate for women's health. Aside from all the the professional experience and and research experience, 
afterward, just by staying in contact with Dr. Zuber and, and with the Institute, I was able to, um, end up presenting, uh, our research elsewhere, uh, at the SUNY Applied Learning Conference. And I'll be presenting it again at the, uh, Oneonta Political Science Conference this spring, which I'm really looking forward to. So just by showing up, really, those opportunities came down the pipe, uh, and that was, uh, really great. So right now we actually have another cohort of students who are working on post-secondary correctional education. And so what they are basically trying to do is look at how successful college and prison programs operate, particularly in New York State. And so they are kind of doing a laying out a landscape of what programs are available, what the SUNY system in particular can be able to do to improve and expand the scope of college and prison education in New York State. Um, and, and what are the challenges, the implementation challenges? So not just how do we expand and build these these programs to scale, but how do we improve programs? Because we know based on the research that college and prison can reduce recidivism and increase employment opportunities outside of prison. The question for these students is less about what is the impact of these programs and more about how do we build effective programs. And when their findings are ready, do you think they'll come on and talk to me? Absolutely. 100%. They don't have much of a choice. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you very much for joining us again. Thanks, Kyle. You can learn more about the Center for Law and Policy Solutions at rockins.org slash CLPS, where you'll also find their full research findings, as well as videos from their research presentations. I'm Kyle Adams. Thanks for listening. Policy Outsider is presented by the Rockefeller Institute of Government, the public policy research arm of the State University of New York. The Institute conducts cutting-edge, nonpartisan public policy research and analysis to inform lasting solutions to the challenges facing New York State and the nation. Learn more at rockinst.org or by following at Rockefeller I-N-S-T, that's at Rockefeller Inst, on social media. Have a question, comment, or idea? Email us at communications at rock.suny.edu. That's rock, R-O-C-K, dot suny, S-U-N-Y, dot E-D-U.